comfort. It's an easy word to define, and looking in the dictionary, you'll find this definition. A state of physical ease and freedom from pain or constraint, or the easing or alleviation of a person's feelings of grief or distress. It's easy to define. We, can all know, we all know what comfort is, but it's even harder to pinpoint what exactly brings us comfort. It's different things for different people. Maybe you're a cat person, and holding a little cat in your arms will bring you comfort. Or maybe you're allergic to cats. Holding a cat in your arms does not bring you comfort. Or maybe it's food that brings you comfort. Sometimes that can bring people comfort until you set on a step on a scale a little bit later, and all of a sudden your comfort flies away. Or maybe it's shopping. Shopping will bring you comfort as you think of all these great you get to bring home and all you do is swipe a card and it's all yours till the end of the month when you get your credit card bill and it's not as comforting as you thought it was when you're going through the checkout line or holding a baby can be comforting because when you hold a baby nothing else in the world seems to matter until that baby spits up all over you <laughs> it's no longer comforting I speak from experience and I'm sure all of you parents can do the same but what brings you comfort? This morning we're going to look at what brings us comfort. So we know that the Lord is a Lord, a God who wants to comfort his people, and he is a God who comes to us in order to comfort us. Because in this life we all have aches, we all have pains, we have stress, we have grief, we have fear, we have anxiety, we have all of these different things that disturb us and shake us to our core at times. But God desires to comfort you. This morning, we're going to see how God has chosen to comfort us, and I hope that by the end of this sermon, you find comfort in Christ. So I invite you to stand as I read Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 8, and look to see how God comforts his people. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 8. I'm reading in Jesus' name. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended that her iniquity has been removed, and that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, and let the rough ground become a plain, and that rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, call out, and he answered, What shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Father God, these are your words, and your word is true, and it does stand forever. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive the message that you have for us today. Sanctify us in your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. God desires to comfort the afflicted, to comfort the oppressed, to comfort the downtrodden, the grieving, the hopeless, and you name it, God desires to comfort his people. And the way in which he does this comes across almost as cold, like it's distant, like he's not really wanting to get his hands dirty intervening into our lives, not really wanting to do anything about it, just giving lip service, offering empty sayings. But how does he bring comfort? I'll invite you to look at the passage with me. I'll highlight a few different phrases and we'll see where or how the Lord comforts us. 
from verse 1, we see the words, says your God. Verse 2, speak, call out. Verse 3, a voice is calling. Verse 5, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Verse 6, a voice says, call out. What shall I call out? The way that God has chosen to act here is through his word. The Lord acts through his spoken word. God comforts his people through his spoken word. As Isaiah is proclaiming this message to the people, you can almost feel the heart of God, almost see the heart of God being poured out for these burdened people. The Lord sees these people. He knows what's going to happen to them in the future. And yes, his people had turned his back on him over and over and over again. And the Lord knew that judgment was coming. He told Hezekiah in the chapter beforehand, everything you own, all of the riches of your kingdom and everything in your kingdom is going to be dragged off into Babylon. That message wasn't a very comforting message. But right after that message, we hear these words from God. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. That message that you're going to be going into Babylon wasn't a message anybody wanted to hear. God knew what it was going to be like. He knew the pain that they would endure. He knew how they would be dragged into Babylon. And his heart breaks for them. And so he intervenes ahead of time, before this happens, trying to spare them, saying, repent and come back to me and this won't happen. But God, knowing how his people will act, knows it's going to happen. And so he sends Isaiah and he says, Isaiah, comfort my people with these words. But how can mere words comfort people? How would it solve their problem? How does it meet you in your situation and bring you comfort today wherever you're at? In verse 2, the Lord calls out to Isaiah and says, Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, and that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Her warfare has ended. Some of you have served in the military, and I don't know if you've served in active service overseas during time of conflict or not. But I'm sure we all know someone who has. And they've seen things that no human being should see or experience. And they come back with these wounds. I can only imagine what it would be like to be overseas in the midst of conflict and someone comes up to you and says, it's over. We're going home. What comfort those words would bring. You can wake up the next morning knowing some, no one is going to be trying to kill me tomorrow morning. And finally sit back and relax and be comforted that your warfare has ended. God tells Jerusalem, your warfare has ended. It's over. Your time of hard service is over. You can finally rest as you rest in me and in my word. The comfort continues with the next clause. Her iniquity has been removed. How do you comfort a burdened conscience? How do you comfort your own burdened conscience when you've done something wrong? And you want to desperately make it right. Desperately make it not happen. Erase that mark from your record so nobody knows about it. How do you make it right? That's the question that we all ask. What can I do to make up for it? What can I do to make this bad thing go away that I've done? What can I do to change my own history? That's where our human nature tells us to go. Work harder. Do better. Resolve to not ever do that again or do extra. Obey more. All of these different things our hearts tell us to do these things and that will somehow make it better. But it doesn't erase reality. And it can't erase history. What's done is done and there's nothing that we can do about that. 
But here in our text, God tells Isaiah to tell his people, your iniquity has been removed. You can't make it right. You can't make it up, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try. But God has removed it from you, taking it off of your record. And he fills that void in with something else, something far greater. Your iniquity has been removed. Moving on with the next clause, she has received of the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Not only is the iniquity taken away from you, it's replaced with something else. But God says that he's going to give you double for all of her sins. This isn't talking about a double dose of God's wrath saying, now make sure next time you never do this again, I'm going to teach you a lesson. But it's talking about a blessing that the Lord is going to give you. Saying, yes, this is what you've done. I have removed this from you and I have replaced it with something far greater. I have replaced it with Christ. Now as God looks at your record, he doesn't see the sins of your past, but he sees Christ and his perfection. And he's going to take whatever situation we find ourselves in and somehow use it for his good, for his glory. And how he does it, I don't know. But his word promises that he is going to make all things new. His word promises that he causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So God can even use our sins to make beautiful things happen. He promises it in his word. And God acts through his word. It's not mere syllables that are formed to make coherent sentences, but it's the very words of God, spoken to comfort the afflicted, spoken to break hearts of stone and to turn them into hearts of flesh. God gives Isaiah this life-giving message. Speak kindly to Jerusalem. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. God comforts his people through his spoken word. The message given to Isaiah continues. In verse 3, a voice is calling, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, and let the rough ground become a plain, and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah speaks of a messenger who's coming to prepare the way of the Lord, to get ready for his coming. He says, someone's coming to prepare the way of the Lord. And then in verse 5, he says, and all flesh will see it together when he comes. The gospel reading this morning told us that John was the one who prepared the way. And Jesus was the one who was coming. Jesus was the one who would be coming and the glory of God will be seen in Christ. The glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. I mentioned earlier that God comforts through his word. And how that sounds distant, how that sounds standoffish, it sounds cold almost, doesn't it? It's the equivalent of seeing someone who's hungry when your fridge is full and saying, be fed, and sending them on their way. Or driving past someone who's standing outside in the cold without shoes on, without a jacket. And as you're zipping up your own jacket and your own sweatshirt and putting your mittens on, saying, be warm, see you later, and taking off. It doesn't warm anybody up, it doesn't comfort anybody or feed anybody. And we think that this is what the Word of God does. But God says in His Word, it's different. God isn't standoffish. He's not cold. He's not unwilling to get His hands dirty. 
When Isaiah says here in verse 5 that the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together, he's making the announcement that I am coming and I'm putting skin in the game. I'm coming and I will do something about your situation. Trust me. John records for us in his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. God's desire to comfort the afflicted is so great, it it caused him to send to us his word in the flesh. It caused him to send Jesus from the comforts of heaven into this sinful world in order to comfort us. And as people looked and saw Jesus, as they held Jesus, as they watched him grow up, they saw his glory full of grace and truth. And they were staring at the Savior of the world who would save them from their sins. They saw the fullness of God in bodily form as they gazed at Christ. Jesus came to this earth and he comforted the afflicted. He visited the widow and the orphan. He wept with the sisters whose brother died. He made the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, the dead to live again. And to the woman who couldn't seem to make her marriage work, the one who had had five husbands and is currently living with her boyfriend, Jesus came to comfort her. And as she went to go and draw water, saying, I will give you water, and when you drink from this water, you'll never thirst again. I am the Messiah whom you are looking for. And to the lady who was caught in adultery by the religious rulers and brought before Christ, standing in all of her shame and all of her guilt and all of her self-hatred because of what she has done, wondering, how have I gotten here in this place? Standing before the Savior of the world and all of her accusers. As Jesus bends down and writes in the sand, he who has without sin cast the first stone. And one by one, all of her accusers walk away until it's just her and Jesus. Jesus says to her, Where are your accusers? I do not condemn you either. From now on, go and sin no more. And of the crowds gathered before him as Jesus was hanging on the cross, the ones that were spitting at him, rejecting him, yelling, Crucify him! Jesus' last words on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing knowing that when these people come to realize that I'm not just a regular man, that in fact I am innocent and they're guilty, wondering how could I crucify Jesus? Jesus' words are comforting them. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And Jesus doesn't hold that against them. The word of God was made flesh in order to comfort the broken. This passage in Isaiah shows that his comfort, the comfort of God is more than just spoken words. It's more than just ink on a page, but it's the word of God made flesh for you. That God didn't just sit back idly and watch the world fall apart. And he's not sitting back idly today watching the world fall apart either. But he is actively involved in bringing people to salvation. Scripture says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. As Jesus was living on this earth, but even today too as well, Jesus is still about that work. That Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim release to the captives and set free those who are oppressed, to comfort the afflicted. As we see Jesus Christ, we see the very heart of God, literally pierced and poured out for the afflicted, 
so that you and I can be forgiven of our sins. God's word is not just empty words or empty saying. God's word became flesh to be pierced through for you and for me, to comfort you in all of your afflictions. In Christ, Jerusalem's warfare has ended. Her hard service, her oppression, her enslavement to a foreign master is over. In Christ, her iniquity has been removed. And your iniquity has been removed also in Christ and his work. In Christ, she received double for all her sins. And in Christ, we have been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have received more than what we deserve from him. In Christ, the glory of the Lord was revealed, and all flesh saw it together. The Lord comforts with his spoken word. The Lord comforts with his word made flesh, Jesus Christ. And the Lord comforts with his eternal word. At the end of the text, Isaiah is told to proclaim the frailty of man. He says, a voice says, call out. And then he answered, what shall I call out? All flesh is grass, and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Well, that's a message right there that makes you feel good about yourself, isn't it? You're grass. No one likes to be called that. You're temporary. Ultimately, what you're doing here doesn't really matter. You could have a world record in whatever it is, and someday down the line it's going to be broken, eventually. Or you can work your tail off trying to get ahead in your job or whatever it might be, sacrificing time, friends, family, whatever it is to get ahead. And here this passage tells us, your grass, all of your accomplishments, everything that you do, it's going to pass away. It's like the flower of the field. It's beautiful for a time, for a moment. And enjoy that beauty and rejoice in that beauty. But know that it's going to pass. But don't miss the comfort here in this section. That yes, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. It's good for us to remember that we are not invincible. It's good for us to know that we're not going to be here forever. It's good to come to grips with the reality that we are grass and we are fading away. It helps us to keep in mind what's important. Because so often in our lives, we spend time with things that ultimately, forgive me for being blunt, don't really matter. Fun is a good thing. It's good to be entertained. It's good to work hard. It's good to get a better paycheck and all of these things. But in the end, all of that will fade away. What will last? Isaiah tells us here, the word of God will last. Jesus Christ will last. His work will last. The word of God will not be changed. It won't vanish. It won't be conquered. It won't be obsolete. It won't fade or wither. It won't let you down because, again, it's not the words on the page. It's God himself. It's Jesus Christ. Christ, who is a word made flesh, stands forever. That means that his work stands forever. That his forgiveness stands forever. His salvation lasts forever. His victory stands forever. and His comfort lasts forever. So why do we spend so much time trying to comfort ourselves with things that are passing away and things that ultimately won't give us comfort for the rest of time? Find our comfort in Christ and his word, which lasts forever. Wherever you are today, 
whatever situation you might find yourself in, know this, that the Lord wants to be your comfort. And you might say to yourself that talk is cheap, and I'll admit, yes, talk is cheap, but not when it comes to the Word of God, because God's Word says that it will last forever. And God works through His Word and in His Word. And God's desire to comfort you is more than just cheap talk. As we saw, God Himself, the Word was made flesh in order to comfort you in all of your afflictions, in order to save you from your sins. It moved God to action. It moved Him to send His Son to live among us, to experience all the things that we experience, to feel pain, to feel hurt, abandonment, hunger, loneliness, grief, sorrow, and every other human emotion that we go through, Jesus Christ went through as well. Not just so that he could show us how to get through it, but so that he could experience it for us and with us, so that as we go through these things, we're not alone, but he is with us, and he has come to comfort you. He lived, he suffered, and he died to tell you that your warfare has ended to tell you that your iniquity, the sins of your past, have been removed and it's replaced with something far better. It's replaced with Jesus Christ. This morning, find comfort in God's spoken word to you. Find comfort in the word of God made flesh for you. And find comfort in the word of God that stands forever. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Proclaim this message to a hurting, a lost, and a dying world. And sometimes this includes us as well. When we hurt, know that the Lord has come to comfort you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you work in your word, you work through your word, your spoken word to us, your living word, that Jesus came to be made flesh, to go through all the things that we go through, yet to be without sin, to be our sacrifice, to save us from our sins. We praise you for that. Father, help us to find our comfort in you whenever we're going through the pains, the agonies, whatever this life throws our way. Help us, Lord, to know that you are here to comfort us. And Father, open up our eyes to see those who are hurting around us as well. Open up our eyes to see your desire for them to be comforted in Christ too. Father, help us to bring this message of forgiveness and salvation to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.